0: On behalf of the Florida recovery team, we're very grateful to be home. We praise God that we're back safely, and thank you for praying for us and giving financially to bless our brothers and sisters in Southwest Florida, Cape Coral, Florida. Uh, We did a lot of work. It was labor intensive, physically draining, but the Lord was honored and glorified. So thank you for praying for us. Continue to pray for Grace Baptist Church and that community there, that God would continue to be honored and glorified there. So please pray with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the great salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And apart from him, we have no part with you. And so, Lord, we ask you to be with us now. Honor us with your presence. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would illuminate our hearts and minds to see the truth of your word in the Holy Scriptures, that the name of Christ would be highly exalted, magnified, and lifted up for the glory of your great name. Be with us now. Help your servant and your people. In Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever felt like you've been ostracized? Ever felt that you have been an outcast? Almost in every age and every generation, there has always been a group of people that have considered themselves to be outcasts, maybe socially awkward, maybe due to their ethnic origin. Maybe it's due to their language or their accent. Maybe it's due to their religious beliefs. And many times it's just simply due to their physical disabilities, their physical illnesses or disease. One person comes to, to, to mind by the name of Mary Reed. Mary Reed was a pioneer missionary to India. She crossed all sorts of cultural boundaries and ethnic boundaries and religious boundaries to go to a leper colony. She felt compassion for them and love for them and she wanted to be with them and amongst them to serve them, to minister them, to show them the love of God and Christ. And while she was serving this leper colony, she contracted leprosy herself. What would motivate somebody to leave the confines and the security and the blessings of America, to go halfway around the world, to put their own lives and health at risk. Really, it's the love of God. It's for the glory of God that others would come to Christ, to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus. And because Mary contracted leprosy, she continued to minister to others. Most people would have quit at that point and come back to America. But she continued to minister to those who were hurting and sick She was there for many years and many decades, and by the time she died, there was a church built in India. The Lord uses people to reach out to people who are suffering. In today's sermon, we will see a social outcast, a social outcast to the highest degree, and we'll see how he was restored and reconciled within the community. So we're in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 15. It's entitled, A Cleansing Touch. You should have this in your bulletin. But the main point that I want to get across today is this. Jesus, the true priest, cleanses physical and spiritual lepers. Do you believe that, dear saint? As Christians, people of the book, I hope that we would wholeheartedly affirm that with a resounding yes. In chapter 5 is really our background in the first couple of verses. We see Jesus at the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Gennesaret, same, same sea. They're at a city, one of those cities, as the text says in verse 12. It doesn't identify what that city is, but many believe that that city is identified as Capernaum. Capernaum. And Jesus is there and he's talking to Simon Peter and to James. And he tells them, hey, Cast your net on the other side of the boat. And if you remember the story, they had been fishing all night. These are professional fishermen, and they caught nothing from fishing all night. And when Simon disagreed and finally obeyed the Lord and cast the net before you knew it, they caught several tons of fish, so much so that the nets were breaking, so much so that they asked for help, and they still were needing more help, and the boats were sinking. And Jesus says to Simon Peter, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. You will be fishers of men. And they left everything to follow Jesus. Left everything. So now we are in this new part of the text in verses 12 through 15. And Jesus is face to face with a leper. Jesus is face to face with the leper. And in the parallel account of Luke 5, if you want to write this down, it's Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, Matthew 8, 1 through 4, and Mark 1, 40 to 44. Mark 1, 40 to 44. If you put all these gospels together regarding this account, Jesus is the main character. The second character is the leper. And the third character is really the mass of people, the great multitude, this great crowd. That's the context that we're in. And in verse 12, there comes this man out of nowhere. And the Bible is very clear to describe this man as a man full of leprosy. Full of leprosy. Leprosy is a dreaded disease. It's a skin disease. It's a horrible disease. It's a severe condition. It's possibly fatal. Lepers could die from their own leprosy. It could be disfiguring because you are losing body parts. And if there's such a thing as stage four leprosy, if there's such a thing, it would be this person this poor man has it. He has come to the end of his life. The disease has taken its toll on this man. This man has had enough, and he's desperate. He's desperate. In recent years, when it comes to leprosy, there was a doctor by the name of Dr. Paul Brand. Dr. Paul Brand did research on leprosy, and he equates leprosy to a disease called Hansen's disease. Maybe you're familiar with that, Hansen's disease. And in this disease, what it does is it destroys the body's warning system for pain. For example, if a leper was washing his hands with a pot of hot water, he could not feel the water nor the hotness of the water, and therefore burn his own hands, and he would not even know it. In third world countries, leprosy is so bad that the vermin, when I'm speaking about vermin, that could be rats, that could be mice, that could be uh, raccoons. How they would feed themselves, these vermin, is they would feed themselves off of live lepers while the lepers are asleep. And the leper would wake up with a missing earlobe or missing half of their nose or part of their lip because why? They simply cannot feel the pain. This man, this man in the Bible is full of leprosy, and he's absolutely, at the end of his life, desperate. And he sees one person. He sees one person that could possibly be his hope. And he makes a be- beeline for this man. And this man is Jesus. Jesus. You see, in verse 12, when he sees Jesus, what does he do? He falls on his face, and he cries out to the Lord. He begs the Lord, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. The leper humbles himself. He doesn't come to the Lord in pride and arrogance and self-confidence. He comes to the Lord in absolute humility. That's what desperate people do. His words and his body posture match up. They line up because this man is desperate and his only hope is Jesus. If you notice here, he's not irreverent. He's not disrespectful. He doesn't blab it and grab it in the name of the Lord. He doesn't name it and claim it in the name of the Lord. He's not confident to claim that God through Christ will Heal me. He comes to Jesus reverentially, humbly, as a broken man. He doesn't assume that Jesus will heal him. To fall on a person's face is language of being prostrate, stretched out, on the ground, face down, cannot even look up at the person. This is his body posture. So, this man says, sir, master, if you will. If you will. This is not a matter of ability because in the previous chapter, Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law of a high fever. So it's not a matter of ability and it's clear that the word of Jesus' reputation has Moved across the region and people are hearing that if you go to this man, Jesus, he will heal you. He will heal you. So this question or this statement is not about ability. This is about mercy. It's about mercy. Lord, if you will. If you will. You Can make me clean. Clean. This leper does not ask to be healed. Did you notice that? He doesn't say, Lord, will you heal me so I can go on living my life for myself? He says, if you'll make me clean. He's begging the Lord to be cleansed. What's implied here? This man has been a leper for so long, it could be months, it could be years. The text doesn't say, but he has been declared by the priest as unclean. And he knows it. And everybody around him knows it. According to Leviticus 13, a leper is to wear clothes that are torn, not clean and new. That's how you identify yourself in public. You wear clothes that are torn. You let your hair hang loose. And you look disheveled. And when you walk into a crowd or you walk into a public square, you're to yell out, according to Leviticus 13, Unclean! I'm unclean! Why? It's to warn all the people that a leper is amongst them. Because if you're too close, if you touch me accidentally, the leper, now you become unclean. This man lives alone. He dwells not with family, not with his spouse, not with anyone, but by himself. He is literally outside the camp. Lepers are outcasts. If you know anything about lepers, they're not treated well, especially in biblical times. They are socially ostracized. They're put out the camp. They're humiliated by society. They're to tell everybody, and everybody knows that they're unclean. They couldn't even work. How are they to work if they're lepers? So therefore, by default, lepers are beggars. They have to spend the rest of their lives begging for food and for money and for sustenance. Josephus, the famous Jewish historian, summed up the life of a leper this way. He said, lepers, quote, are dead men walking, ostracized, away from society. For lepers, there was a physical problem, obviously, They have this skin disease, their skin disease, but also they have economical problems, they're beggars. They have religious problems because now they're not in the camp, they're outside of the camp, and if you're outside of the camp, you can't go into the camp to the temple to worship. You're out on your own, you can't worship God with God's people. So you have physical problems, you have economical problems, you have religious problems, and also you have familial problems. You can't be with your spouse or your kids. And that could be the rest of a leper's life. To be a leper is a horrible thing in biblical times. Society at large believed that the person was a leper many times due to personal sin. Society would look at this person and say, oh, that person is a leper. Because why? They have some sort of personal sin. They've sinned against God personally. That's an erroneous view. Because in John 9, Jesus says, this man was born blind for the glory of God. Because Jesus was about to do a miracle in John chapter 9. So it's not always because of personal sin. So what is the leper actually asking of Jesus? He's asking this, to be restored physically, to be reconciled with his family and friends, and to be counted amongst those within the camp, to be with God's people. That's what he's really asking for. He can't stand it anymore. He's desperate, and his only hope is Jesus. And how does Jesus respond? Jesus stretched out his hand. He says, I will be cleaned. He doesn't say be healed. Obviously, when we read on, he's healed, but he says be clean. In Mark's account in chapter 1, the text says that he, referring to Jesus, was moved with pity. Jesus sees this desperate, broken man at the end of his life, moved with pity. Jesus says, I will be clean. That's the compassion of Jesus. That's the kindness of Jesus. That's the mercy of Jesus. That's the love of Jesus. And What's amazing about this is he could have just said the word, be clean. And he would have been instantly cleaned. But Jesus does something that goes against, per se, Leviticus 13. And he stretches out his hand, and he touches the man who's on the ground prostrate before him. And he says, I will. Be clean. If the crowd, if you and I were in the crowd, we would say, no, Jesus, don't do this. If you do this, Jesus, you're going to be unclean. Can you imagine that this is this man's first touch in maybe years, and it's the touch of the Savior? God, a very God in the second person, Jesus the Christ took on flesh, The incarnation took on flesh, and with this flesh, he touched this leprous man. That's you, and that's me. He touched us by giving us salvation in Christ. It's amazing what he did. Jesus should not be touching anybody, especially this man. And yet he touches this leper, and he says, I will be clean. Praise the Lord. What does the text say? The leprosy immediately left him. Not 24 hours later, 72 hours later, a week later, it was immediate. When God heals, it's it's instant. It's instant. And now this man, he's healed. He's cleansed for the first time in a long time. And Jesus the Christ pitied this man and gave him the cleansing touch. You know, God doesn't have to save us. I hope you know that. I hope you understand that you and I are not so good, perfect, valuable people that God must die for us. No. The Bible's very clear that we were wicked, rebellious sinners. The Bible describes His people as stiff-necked, prideful, rebellious. What we deserve is judgment. And yet God gave His Son for us. Praise the Lord. So Jesus not only cleanses and heals physical lepers, but he also cleanses cleanses and heals spiritual lepers. Look at Luke 5, verse 14. And he charged him, this is the leper, Jesus charged the leper to tell no one, but go, show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus commanded, not the leopard, but now Jesus commands the healed man to not tell anyone about this miracle, about this healing. Why? Because the idea is the word has already gotten out that Jesus' ministry is healing. And Jesus is not about physical healing, even though he does physically heal. But that's not his main focus. That's not his main emphasis. He came to bring salvation for his people. That is his main ministry. The priest. The priest is the one who represents the people to God. He is the mediator that reconciles people, his people to God. A prophet represents God to the people that's downward, but a priest represents the people to God that is upward. And so, this priest in general offers sacrifices for what? For sins. For sins. These animal sacrifices were never designed, never ever designed to remove and take away sin not animal sacrifices. They were never designed to remove transgressions and sins or iniquities. They were designed to be a reminder every year that there's still sin. Why? Because Christ has not been sacrificed yet. Hebrews 10:3 says this. But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins no bull no goat no animal could ever remove the guilt and the penalty of sin animal sacrifices are not designed for that they're not designed to have power to eliminate sins but jesus instructs the healed man To go to the priest, and what? And to make an offering. What does the offering signify? A sacrifice for this cleansing, for this leper's cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. See, in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, there was a process to be cleansed. So if a leper was put outside of the camp and declared unclean, the only way that this leper can come back into the camp is through a two-stage process done by the priest. The priest would have to go out into the outer camp and meet the leper. And for all intents and purposes, the priest was a dermatologist, if I could say that. He would evaluate the skin and the body of this person. And if there was any leprosy, this person could not come into the camp. But if this person was healed of his leprosy, then the two-stage process would begin. In the first stage, they would take two birds, according to Leviticus 14. One bird would be sacrificed, and the blood of that bird would be applied to this man, this leper. If you understand what's being said is there's a ceremonial cleansing that takes place. And so this blood is to signify that this man is purified by what? By the bird? No, purified by the blood, a.k.a. sacrifice. And the second bird would go free and fly away. It's called the flight of liberation. Why? Because now this bird represents the man's new life, not the man's old life that the man is free, that he's been made new. He's no longer an old man, but he's now a new man, and the effects of this leprous disease is gone. That's stage one. Stage two happens a week later. So this man has to wait seven days for stage two to even start. But in stage two, to be in full communion with God, the healed man is dubbed with the blood and with oil. If we think about blood and oil, now we should start thinking of Old Testament temple sacrifices. This process of stage two is linked to the altar. And the altar in the Old Testament is a symbol of God's presence with God's people at the temple. So stage two is to be in full communion with God, there needs to be additional blood. There has to be oil anointed. We're talking about the altar in the presence of God. This is Leviticus 14, this two-stage ceremonial process for the cleansing of lepers and for the healed person and others. So what is Jesus actually saying when he says, go to the priest? Make an offering for a proof as Moses commanded. This is what Jesus is actually saying. Jesus is saying, the priest that you need is not really at the temple. I'm that priest. The sacrifice that you need to make you clean is not a bird, it's me. That's what he's saying. Jesus is the priest who provides the sacrifice of himself so that his people would be cleansed of their sins, which is humanity's number one problem, by the way, is sin. He provides the sacrifice of himself as the priest on behalf of his people. This has never been done before in human history, by the way. What other priest in human history has not offered animals, but has offered himself so that his people would be cleansed of all their sins and be forgiven. That has never been done in human history until Jesus. And when we think about this, at one point we were spiritual lepers. For those of us who know Jesus Christ, we were the ones who were spiritual lepers because of our sins before God. We had violated God's law and God's will. We have lived for ourselves in a rebellious fashion unto God. Our sin, as Isaiah 59-2 said, has made a separation between us and our God. According to Exodus thirty three twenty, 20 we were not allowed into God's holy presence because of our sin. And to be in God's holy presence with sin, no man shall see and live. No person will see God and live under those circumstances. We were the ones outside of the camp. And Jesus is the one who came to us. We were the ones who were estranged from God outside of the kingdom, outside of the camp. We were the ones who were dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2.1. Yet, the precious blood of our Savior washed us clean, cleansed us from all sin. What was required and needed is found only in Jesus. You want your sins removed forever, eternally? It's the blood of Jesus and nobody else's blood and nobody else's work and nobody else's merit. His blood is the cleansing touch that we need, that we would be forgiven by God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're wondering, what does it take to be forgiven by God? What does it take to be reconciled to God? What does it take to be restored to God? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you believe unto Him? It's not by good works. It's not by good deeds. It's not by money or education or your family. It's none of that. It's by faith alone in Christ alone. Hebrews 10:11 says this, "And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take away sins." Did you hear that? The author of Hebrews says when a priest works, he works in such a way that he represents the people. He takes the animal sacrifices, he sacrifices them, and it's a reminder of their sins. And he does this work, not Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, banker's hours. He does this day in and day out, every single day, every single week, every single month, every single year. And it's nonstop. It's a reminder of sin, a reminder of sin, and a reminder of sin. It never stops. But listen to this in verse 12. But when Christ had offered all time a single sacrifice for sins, talking about the sacrifice of himself, he sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, he no longer has to stand and work and offer sacrifice. That sacrifice of himself is full and final and complete. It's once for all. And he can sit down because he's the king who reigns right now. We don't need any other sacrifice. We don't need Jesus to come back and reinstitute temple sacrifices in Israel. He's once for all sacrificed for his people. His blood is all that we need. Do you believe in him? Do you believe in him? That's the question before us. Jesus the Christ is the perfect sacrifice once and for all. Do you believe that, dear saint? Because if you don't, there's a problem. No other person is qualified to provide this type of sacrifice that God will accept. No other person is qualified to do that. Jesus is the one. He's the true priest who offered himself for you and for me. And we praise God for that. And the sacrifice is full and final. So what's the consequences of this cleansing touch? Look at at verse 15. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. So Jesus tells this healed man, don't go tell anybody, but somehow the report gets out, and now it's spreading across the area and the region And people hear about it, know about it, and the crowds don't get smaller, the crowds get bigger. The crowds get larger. Why do the crowds get larger? Verse 15 gives the answer to hear him. To hear him what? To hear him teach. People were attracted to Jesus based on what Jesus has said, what Jesus has taught. The people were thinking, this is good news. This is good stuff. This might help me. But they were, looking, they were looking at Jesus as simply a teacher. Not the Messiah. And verse 15 says, and to be healed. That's the other reason why they came to see Jesus. Not only do they think of Jesus as a teacher, but they think of Jesus as a modern-day miracle worker. They want to be taught... They want to be healed, but they don't want the Messiah. They don't see him as such. So, what is Jesus doing? Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy that's in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, which is prophesying in Isaiah. Luke 4 18 says this The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus has provided physical liberty in the sense of healing this leper and cleansing him. And now he is now in the camp. He is now restored. No one can call him a leper anymore. He's not going to be ostracized anymore. Nobody can look at him as a social outcast anymore. When Jesus heals and Jesus cleans, it's full and final. He healed this man of his oppression to leprosy. Has Jesus healed your oppression to leprosy? the leprosy of sin. You may be wondering, how can I be cleansed from my sin? Or you may be asking, is there hope for me? Does God know what I've done against him in private? The God of the universe states in his word that he's the all-knowing God. For you to think that you can hide any single sin from the sight and knowledge of God, is foolishness. But you may be thinking, I've sinned so much against the Lord. I'm beyond leprosy. I'm beyond hope. There's hope for you in the gospel. There's hope for you in the gospel. But here's the question. Are you aware of your own sinfulness? Because this leper was fully aware of his own sinfulness. If you say, Lord, I'm 50% unclean, that will never work. Lord, I'm 95% unclean, that will never work. You have to be like this leper and say, 100%, I am a sinner through and through, and I know what I deserve. I am therefore unclean. I am unclean. That's what you have to be willing to say in your heart. There's hope for you. If you're not a Christian, there's hope for you in the gospel. I hope you know that. I hope you understand that. The question for you is, do you have a genuine desperation to be healed of your leprosy of sin. If you're desperate, Jesus will help you. If you're not desperate, then you don't see the value of Jesus at all. You must turn from your sins and trust in Jesus. The one who comes to Jesus, Jesus has promised he will never cast them out. That's a promise from the Bible, by the way. That's John chapter 6, verse 37. The one who comes to Jesus, he will never cast out. If you're not a Christian and you want to know more about being a Christian, please talk to one of the pastors. Please talk to one of the deacons. We're happy to share the good news of Christ with you. We want to talk with you. But for for you dear Christians, brother and sister in Christ, we understand that the problem in this world and the problem within us, not sometimes, not three-fourths time, but all the time is always sin. It's always sin. And the answer always is Jesus. There's hope in the gospel. There's always hope in the gospel. The answer is always Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this, All this is from God, who through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. How did God reconcile us to him? Through Christ. Through Christ. He gave Christ. And we praise God for our Savior. We have been reconciled to God. We are no longer spiritual lepers. We have been made whole in the blood of Jesus Christ, by faith in his person and in his work. We are made whole. We are no longer lepers. We're no longer missing body parts, spiritually speaking. God has given us and showered us with grace upon grace upon grace. We praise God for that. You know, the process of being Reconciled to God under the Old Testament was seven days, eight days, nine days. It was, I would say, a long time, especially if the leper's been living as a leper for many, many years. But in the New Testament, a leper is cleansed in one moment at the foot of the cross of Jesus. So we must continue to praise God for making us whole through the atoning work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Sermon in a sentence. We may not be healed of all our infirmities, but we must continue to tell others of spiritual healing, meaning complete forgiveness through the blood of our Savior, Jesus. He has made us whole by his own blood. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, O God, that you hear us because of Christ. We thank you, O God, that you did not allow us to die in our sin. We thank you, O God, that you didn't treat our sins as they deserve. Thank you for being merciful to us, O Lord. Lord, thank you for healing us of all our spiritual infirmities in the precious work of your Son. We are forever and ever grateful. And all of God's people said, Amen.